Hello and welcome to the Motor Mouthing Podcast. I'm James and this is the podcast where I get lifts from interesting people. This is episode number four and finally I've got a female guest this week. Her name is Abby Eaton and she's a racing driver and a race instructor. And I found this week's chat really quite fascinating because Abby is a proper full-time racing driver. And even though I've met a few drivers in the past, I've never really had a conversation in detail like this where I've been able to get an understanding of all the complicated things that go into getting a car and a driver into a championship and winning races. So I hope you find it as interesting as I did. Here is Abby Eaton and her car. Well, I've got a racing driver on the podcast today. She's been racing for 14 years despite only being 24. She was the 2014 Mazda MX-5 Super Cup champion. She's a BRDC rising star and she's an instructor and her name's Abby Eaton. Hi. Hello. And uh, you're driving today, aren't you, Abby? I am indeed, yeah. I'm driving my road car today. Driving your road car. So this is your own car. What's, what, what are we in today? This is a BMW 1 Series uh, 118D uh, M Sport in white, which I'm not sure why I bought it in white because it never looks clean. I've worked with one or two racing drivers before and I've noticed that um, a lot of them tend to drive fairly sensible diesel cars which you don't always expect and I did a shoot once with Karun Chantok and Johnny Herbert and Karun turned up in a Passat 1.9 diesel and Johnny Herbert turned up in a Scirocco 1.9 or 2 litre TDI and they were both they both had this conversation about how great their TDIs were I thought they'd both been Ferraris or some <laughs> kind of sports car or something but then Karun said to me well you if you drive an F1 car you're never ever going to replicate the kind of speed that you do on a, on a racetrack yeah. so there's almost no point in having no no and it's just a, a thing to get from A to B and if it's comfortable and it's got very good uh, MPG then that ticks the boxes for me yeah absolutely so you, you're getting on okay with it yeah, yeah, really pleased with it. Um, as I said, I'm not sure why I bought it in white because it's very dirty, but... That yeah. is the downside, isn't it, with it white is. cars? Yeah, um, my old car was like a nice blue colour and I didn't wash that for months at a time. Yeah. But I think this is going to have to be like twice a month basis. Twice a day. <laughs> that Definitely. as well, yeah. I tend to run it in eco mode. So it actually shows you on here um, if you're saving fuel. It's weirdly addictive though, isn't it? I, yeah. I don't think I'm interested in driving economically but then if I have a car that's got BMWs have, have the little needle a lot of them have the needle which tells you exactly what your kind of live MPG is and it's weirdly addictive just trying to stay in a you're just chasing band. it all the time yeah and then sometimes if you go nuts within the speed limit like the next time you drive the car you'll have damaged your your, yeah, your MPG you feel guilty and then you've got to work to get it mm -hmm. back again it's almost like a trick to get us to drive better <laughs> isn't it very much so. So usually with, with these podcasts, um, I sit next to somebody and we drive around aimlessly having a nice chat, but today is the first time where we've actually got a job to do, because we're actually going somewhere, aren't we? Mm -hmm. So where are we going? Um, we're going to go and pick some new race gloves up. So um, my race season is starting this weekend, um, and my gloves are being delivered last minute, so I've got to go pick them up from Silverstone. Is it quite a big thing, gloves, or is it a fairly mundane thing for you? Is it an exciting uh, thing at all? It's always exciting getting a new kit when I mean, you get a new suit or you know new yeah. boots and stuff like that. It's, yeah. it's exciting, you know, you want to look the part as well. And the gloves that I've got, I've sort of got them in customised to the, the livery colour this year as well. So okay. I'm excited to see how they look. Hopefully they look how I want them to. because um, I've only got well, what four days till they're gonna be used. So have you got like an all new 
look and all new outfit, all new livery for this year? Yeah, so this year I'm going to be racing a Maserati in the British GT Championship. It's a two-driver event as well, and I spoke to my co-driver and said, you know, are there any cars that you like the look of, or liveries, colour schemes? And he picked out a bright yellow-looking car, mm-hmm. and I'm a big fan of fluorescent colours. The Mazda that I race, it was fluorescent pink, and my helmet's got lots of fluorescent colours on as well. So I said, well, what about fluorescent yellow? So it's mainly uh, white with quite a lot of fluorescent yellow, black and grey, okay. and it looks very, very mean, stands out a lot. Yeah, it's a cool looking car that. So this is this is the GT4 championship, isn't it? Yeah, so the, the British GT has got two classes effectively. So it's got GT4 mm-hmm. and then it's got GT3. Um, we're running in the GT4 class, but the car, I think, well, we had to have it basically balanced um, to make sure that it's all level with all the other GT4s. Yeah. So that was done about four weeks ago over in Italy somewhere, I think. So. Wow. Yeah, it's exciting times, a bit frustrating at the same time because the car had to be sort of balanced um, so we didn't get it last minute. Um, yeah. So it's a learning curve for everyone but we'll see what the outcome is at the end. So this weekend's going to be race number one and you haven't really had an awful lot of time in that car. No, so, so be... um, we got the car about, I think it's about four weeks ago now. Um, the first time we were going to be in it was actually on the media day on the 15th of March. Right. So we rocked up, having had the car for like four days, um, wow. and basically went out and we did a few laps and something had broken on the car. And it was something that we should have known was going to break, but there was a miscommunication with uh, who we got the car off. Okay. Um, but unfortunately, because it was so last minute, we didn't have the spares with us that we could have just fixed the car. Um, but in terms of what we wanted to do on the media day, it was kind of make a bit of an impact. And it's the first time Maserati have actually been in um, the British GT Championship um, yeah. since, I think, 1998. Um, okay. And I think it's the first full season as well. Um, okay. So, yeah, we, we made an impact. Um, the car <laughs> sounds absolutely fantastic. And um, we had a lot of hype about it, which is... A brilliant thing to have at this yeah. early stage in the season. That's fantastic. So this is and this is a new uh, championship for you, isn't it? Yeah, um, I've, I've been sort of trying to get into British GT since 2010. Um, mm. I actually had a, a deal lined up in 2010 to race in Aston really? and GT4. Oh wow! Um, but unfortunately, as is the norm with motorsports, of some deals fall through and people pull out, and it never came off in the end. But I'm sort of viewing it as a two-year thing, so hopefully we can learn a lot this year, get the gremlins out of the way, and then next year we can attack hard. Okay, okay, so we've got a game plan there, long-term yeah. plan. So what's been? So what have you been racing more more recently then? What, what were you doing over the last couple of years? Um, so in 2014, I raced the, the MX5 Super Cup, um, which was a brilliant, brilliant championship. Which I you absolutely won love it. as well. Yeah. Um, it was a season full of ups and downs. The last round was extremely intense. Uh, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong, basically. And really? all I needed to do was finish, and basically didn't finish both races uh, through being hit off on one and having an engine failure on another. Right. Um, and I managed to clinch it by one point still. So thankfully, wow. I had enough points in the bag throughout the season that I, I still managed to win. So that was a, a big positive. You know, my first championship. That I thought, sort of felt like I had to really work at to win. Um, yeah. I've won one in 2009, but mm-hmm. yeah, that one was extremely rewarding. Um, and then last year in 2015, I was racing in uh, the GT Cup in an old GT3 uh, M3 car. Yeah. Um, 
which was a massive step up. You know, the, the MX-5s are you know, 150 brake, and mm -hmm. I jumped into the M3, which is 550 brake. Yeah. So it takes a lot to sort of reprogram your brain to, to deal with the amount of power, and also running on slick tyres, so, you know, an increasing grip and, and downforce and so on. Um, absolutely loved the challenge. Um, it was a great experience, and I learned a lot from it, and I'm kind of hoping that I can take some stuff from that into into this year as well. What sort of racing are you are you into? What do you like watching as a spectator? Do you um, like Formula One? Yeah, Formula One to me is a, a little bit boring. I completely agree with you. Completely agree That's across the board with a lot of people that it's not very engaging and mm. the fans don't really get a lot out of it unless they're, very you know, they're, they're diehard fans and they think it's all brilliant, which yeah. you know it's not. Um, <laughs> the only time that I like to watch the F1 is when it rains because that's when something exciting is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the kind of motorsport that I love watching are the combative types, so you know, British touring cars, that's extremely good. The, the grids are very large on that and you know the top 10 have got some really, really good drivers in it as well. Right. Um, so that provides um, a lot of entertainment to watch. Um, DTM and V8 supercars, they're absolutely brilliant. Yeah, they're cool series, aren't um, they? If someone said to me, so money's not an option, you can do what you want, what would you like to race? And then it would be V8 supercars. Is that an Australian series? Yeah. Is there anything that's like, is there any type of motorsport that's really out there that you'd like to do? Like, I don't know, NASCAR or uh, Rallycross or something something mm. completely new? Rallycross, I'd like to give that a go. Or rallying, rallying in general, because mm. that's absolutely bonkers. Rallying's cool, isn't it? You know, you think racing drivers have have got a lot of skill to be able to do what they do but mm. then you add in the fact that you don't know what's coming up and you're relying on someone telling you something off a, a sheet of paper yeah. you know what the, the conditions are going to be like what the, the terrain is going to be like that's definitely got to get the adrenaline pumping yeah i've never been able to understand why people become rally co-drivers it's completely not true that they're like failed drivers that you know people do want to become co-drivers mm -hmm. But they have this job where they're looking at the route and they're constantly looking down and going over uh, jumps and, and round corners and you know it must just be the most uncomfortable experience <laughs> ever and then to not have the pleasure of actually being the person wrestling the wheel i don't i don't get what the appeal is there they must have a lot of travel pills travel sickness pills before they set off that's why would sure. you do it i guess it's kind of you're a lot closer to the action than anyone else is and you're a vital part of it as well um, you know, as I said, the drivers are relying on you to, to give them the right directions and instructions on how to take the corner, and what's coming up and so on. So yeah. you, without the co-driver, the driver wouldn't be able to do what he does. No, it's true. Does, no, you're so. absolutely right. You're absolutely right. What about F1? Have you ever wanted to drive an F1 car? Have you ever driven an F1 car? No, F1's never been sort of on my radar, really. Unfortunately, it's very, well, motorsport is a, a money-oriented thing anyway, but single-seaters and F1 route is just stupid, stupid money involved. And yeah, it's, it's really, really exclusive, isn't it? It is, and it's just so unrealistic. You know, you think how many people are actually capable of being the next Lewis Hamilton. There's probably another thousand people that are capable of doing what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. If we compare it to football, for example, how many football teams are there? And they've all got maybe 20, 25, 30 people on the squad that yeah. they all pick and choose from. Yeah. Whereas F1, you've got 12, 12 cars or you know 15 cars, 20 cars on the grid, and that's it. Out of the full world, that is it. Mm. How many billions of people are on the planet, mm. and how many F1 drivers are there? Yeah, exactly. That. And you have to come from. They all come from. Um, they all seem to come from. It's called Formula Kart Stars. Which yeah. is a karting series that yeah. they started in. Most people that 
that get into most sport, they do start off in carts. Mm. And actually people that sort of bypass that and go straight into cars, they always say they wish they'd done karting because you, you learn such invaluable knowledge of you know track craft and race craft and yeah. keeping your momentum flowing and so if there was you know anyone that wanted to get into motorsport I'd definitely advise going into karts and, and doing yeah. the karting route. Okay, and it's I guess it's a little bit more entry level in cost wise and you know availability of, uh, of the vehicles and parts as well probably. Yeah, it's got to be cheaper than than a car. Although I'm sure it's still incredibly expensive. Well, the reason why we actually moved out of carts was because the amount of money we spent on carts we couldn't move into cars. You can spend as much money on carting as you can to race a Porsche for a year. Oh, really? There are people that will be spending three hundred grand a year on their son's karting. Wow. And you know the kid might only be. 13, 14 years old. Wow. Um, so there is still big money involved in it, but you can go down to your local club and do, you know, the club racing, which doesn't involve like national championships. You might be able to go and do uh, a couple of weekends a, um, a month there mm. and be part of the club championship, which you're still going to be, you know, competing against people that are probably better than you and not quite as good as you, and you've got to learn how to deal with them. You've also got that opportunity where if you really loved carts and you want, you know, you weren't particularly bothered about progressing into cars and um, that you can stick at it and, and you know race in Europe, race in the, the US and all over the place. Yeah, yeah of course you have the full full on motorsport experience. Mm. How did you get into racing then? Um, my dad used to race so I was at my first track when I was about two months old uh, <laughs> and it was when my dad was still karting. So you've just always lived with motorsport, it's yeah. always been there and did you always want to do it when you were, when you were little? Pretty much. Um, I've always been a bit of a nutter, a bit of an adrenaline drink, uh, junkie, and I had the best childhood growing up around motorsport. You know, you'd, really? you'd go away for the weekend and you'd be out on your bike around the paddock with all the other drivers' kids, and it was just so much fun. And you know, you used to do big skids on your bike and nice. always looking for the next nice. little adrenaline fix. And when I was about eight, I remember um, my dad was racing up at Knockhill, I think it was, mm. and they had a little cart track. And I really wanted to have a go on the carts, and my dad was, wouldn't let me. So I made this little cardboard money box, and I went round the full paddock with this cardboard money box saying, Please, can I have some money to go karting? Because my mum and dad won't let me go. Oh. So I went round everyone, collected the money, got back, and I'm like, Right, I've got the money to go karting now. And wow. obviously, my mum and dad were extremely embarrassed and were like, What have you done that for? And uh, the next morning, I had to go around everyone and give them the money back. Aww. And in the driver's briefing, one of the other drivers said to my dad, you know, this, I think it's really disgusting that these drivers are, are sending out these ploys to get the next year's budget kind <laughs> yeah. of thing. So, yeah, from eight, really, that's when I've been you know, really focused on trying to do something. And then when my dad stopped racing when he uh, well, I'm just turned 10 years old, okay. um, that's when he finally gave in and, and got me a go-kart and then that's where the journey started really. Wow, he passed on the baton to you. Yeah, we're actually driving near Silverstone now, aren't we? We're, um, yeah, we're on we're the, the A43 approaching the A43. it. Yeah. We're in the heart of uh, racing driver country. Which we were talking about um, just before we started recording that this is where all the racing drivers seem to live. Yeah, it's a bit of a hub really for motorsport related people. Mm. Um, just, I think mainly because it's just so central to so many circuits. Um, you know, you've got obviously Silverstone, just 15 minutes away from Northampton, and then yeah. Rockingham's probably about an hour and a half from here. Yeah. Um, and then you've got uh, Brands Hatch, which is fairly easy to get to from here, just straight um, down, down, the uh, down the M1. You do some uh, teaching at Silverstone, don't you? Yeah, Silverstone. Um, 
offer many bits and bobs that you know any racing fan would would enjoy. So if you have like a Ferrari experience or anything like that um, that you've booked through Silverstone, then um, I might be sat next to you teaching you on that. Um, okay. Or we do the high speed ride, so I might be taking people around the circuit in you know Ferrari or something like that. Um, but also they do um, a lot of track days. You can book some tuition on the day. Silverstone's massive, there's there's so much going on and there's so many different things that you can be involved with, you know, maybe not even in, in car. Yeah, I do a fair few days here um, and obviously with the BRDC being uh, based here at Silverstone as well. Yeah, of course. Back and forward with that. We need to talk about that because, so you're a BRDC rising star, mm-hmm. so what does that mean? Basically the, the BRDC stands for the British Racing Drivers Club and it's been around for many, many years and the BRDC actually owns Silverstone and it's an exclusive club that you've, you've got to be invited into and I was sort of lucky enough after the MX-5 Super Cup to be invited in yeah, um, as, as part of the club. So this is my second year as a BRDC Rising Star and I'm hoping if we get some decent results towards the end of this year that I'll sort of become a full member but it's a, a massive privilege and I'm quite proud actually to you know yeah. to wear BRDC uh, on my race suit and, and on the car as well. Absolutely and so Rising Star means you're kind of like a one to watch you're a, you're yeah, a, you're up a and coming. Yeah. up and coming driver. Mm-hmm. You can tell we're in Silverstone now there's a there's some really racy looking GT3 RS over there <laughs> and some Lotus Elisas were coming out. Okay so Abby's going to go go get her gloves now. Yep. And then we'll go back home again. Okay, gloves gloves picked okay. up. They're not going to stay white for longer, though, I don't think. No, so these are white with kind of black accents, and then they've got three fluorescent yellow stripes on. So you can wear them for the drive home if you like. <laughs> if you want to test them out. A bit sportier. Make sure they work. <laughs> so, is there anything else you need to do before you race this weekend, before your first race? Not particularly. I probably should have gone to the gym this morning but I think I'm going to go this, this evening instead. I mean there's so much, so many different things we've got to do to the car because it's yeah. as it's just been so last minute so I'm going to actually get to the circuit on Friday morning and we're just going to spend all Friday just getting the seat fitting right, uh, you right. Know, making sure yeah. I'm alright sat in the car and I can reach everything and I'm comfortable. Um, it's kind of got to be a bit of a compromised position because Obviously, there's two drivers uh, that are going to be in the car. Marcus is a little bit taller than me. Uh-huh. So with the, the seat as it is, Marcus is actually quite comfortable in it. But I had to have loads of padding behind me so that I actually wasn't really being held in the seat that much and it was very uncomfortable. Mm. We've just got to find that, that middle ground that we can both get away with and both be comfortable once we're driving the car. So this yeah. weekend, it's a two-hour event. So I will do the first hour and then we'll come into the pit lane and do the driver change as quick as possible. Um, Marcus actually starts the, the, the race, so he'll bring the car in and mm-hmm. I'll be there waiting and then get him out as quick as possible, get me in as quick as possible and then send it out to do the last hour. <clears throat> so it's all very hectic in that little pit stop window, yeah. um, but then you've got a lot of driving ahead of you, which hopefully if we can get some good mileage under our belt, um, you know, we can really learn about the car and what it's capable of. Absolutely. Is the, is the kind of pit stop driver change uh, a new thing for you as well or have you done that before no that'll be a new thing you know there's always going to be a little bit of nerves on making sure that you know i do that right and that we don't lose any time from my inexperience on mm. that but um i think we've, we've got plenty of time really because i think the format is that you bring the car in and it gets fueled and then once the fueling's done that's when we can do the driver change and as driver changing is happening then they're going to change the tires as well 
I know that as, as the season goes on, the team will get a little bit more slick with that. And, and I mean, yeah. they've, they've dealt with yeah. driver changes before anyway. It's an exciting year. It's as, as I mentioned, it's, it's, it's been uh, frustrating. It sounds exciting. But it's a, a challenge. And throughout my racing career, I've always been sort of presented with challenges and I've always been thrown in at the deep end. And right. As much as I grumble about it and would like lots of testing and so on, I probably quite enjoy being the underdog of things. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I've got to remind myself that it is a long season and it is a new car and it is a new team, etc. So yeah. I always want to go out and win. So you, you can't know, be I'm too hard on driver. yourself. Yeah. Whenever yeah. I want to jump in the car. Well, that's the problem with you guys. You actually all do just want to go out and win. Every yeah. time I talk to a race driver, it's the same thing. Yeah. And I kind of, because I, I sort of get this this strategy thing. This mm -hmm. this next year will you know start kind of progressing through the, uh, the positions a bit more and this year we'll concentrate on the car I kind of understand that mm -hmm. um, but like at the most basic level you guys are just like nah I just want to go faster than all those people yeah it's quite sad really isn't it I want to drive um, in circles faster than know. anyone <laughs> well when you kind of yeah I drive I mean, in when, when you deconstruct it that much but I don't know I mean it's just there's just something about racing isn't there it's just fun it's full of adrenaline mm -hmm. it's full of nice noises and smells and yeah. just everything really even if if you're not really into motorsport and you come down to a race weekend and you're kind of part of a team and you see mm. you know everyone loves people watching and if you see how the team interact with each other and if you watch what the driver goes through yeah you know the build-up to a race is it's really important in getting you mentally getting yourself in the right place yeah um so i'll always 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 get very nervous before a race and you know, I've done it for 14 years and I will still get nervous. And really? If people try and speak to me, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes before race, I won't be able to give them an answer. And sometimes I've said, look, can you just leave me alone? Because it's not that I'm being rude, but I need to just focus and, and put my nerves into, almost like you want it as adrenaline, so that as soon as those lights go green, you've got it there to hand and you're on it. So you want to be focused. Up. Yeah. Um, that some, some people I know kind of, jump up and down or use a skipping rope before they go out just to, to get themselves warmed up and sort of chomping at the bit. Wow. Um, so it's very interesting to see, you know, how people prepare for it. And wow. if something goes wrong, you know, how people react to that as well. Are you into drifting? Do you like drifting? I do love a good drift, yeah. Which is, uh, I guess it comes sort of naturally from preferring to have a car set up yeah, that you're wants to kill me all the time. Yeah. I've said that to someone before. I'm like, they're like, it's too loose at the back. And I'm like, yeah, but you want a car that's trying to kill you all the time. That's the quickest way. <laughs> that's the, uh, quickest, that's the way. quickest way to drive an MX-5. It wants to kill you. That's that competitive racing driver spirit. Again, yeah. Isn't it? They yeah. looked at me and they're like, you're mad. I'm like, yeah, but I won, didn't I? So it must work. <laughs> like, let it kill you. <laughs> who doesn't love drifting? It's kind of being in control. Of being I don't know out of anybody control. who doesn't like drifting. Yeah. It's just one of the coolest things on the planet. We did um, a little bit of drifting stuff for this TV programme that I've been involved with. Yeah, um, we should talk about this. So yeah. this is, what, what, so this is called Drive? Drive, right? yeah. And it's on ITV? It is indeed. It's on ITV uh, 9pm on Tuesdays. Mm -hmm. um, and it basically involves um, eight celebrities that are being thrown into some absolutely bonkers um, motorsport yeah. challenges. Yeah. Um, and it covers a range of things. So we've got the track stuff. Um, we've also got you know muddy buggies and we did banger racing in episode one. Uh, one stock car stuff mm -hmm. which is good fun and they've got a real good 
sort of mix of celebrities as well, range from Johnny Vegas to mm -hmm. Louis Walsh, uh, Professor Green, and, yeah. and Mariella Frostrup. And, and it's all very, um, again, coming down to people watching, it's just watching their interactions with each other and the banter between them all. And, really? And well, these are all people outside of their comfort zone, yeah, I imagine, yeah. which is probably part of the appeal for the TV producers. Mm. Well, I mean, um, Louis, in, in episode one, Louis Walsh was sort of borderline tears and was adamant that he was going to be un unable to do it and he bless him he, he knuckled down and uh, he, he was paired up with Colin Jackson and Colin obviously being an Olympic athlete yeah. you know managed to calm Louis down and and they worked together as a team very well um, but you know unfortunately it wasn't wasn't meant to be for them and, and Louis got eliminated out of, of the show right. um, but yeah it's it's interesting to see how perhaps certain people that have, have never done any motorsport or never really been interested in cars mm. how it brings out their competitive spirit and, oh, really? and nature um, one of the girls Laura Turbing uh, she is the ITV weather girl yeah. um, in the yeah. morning and she is really really lovely one of the nicest people I've met you know really bubbly and really girly yeah. but when it comes down to the driving she is so competitive and feisty and it's brilliant to watch really it um, just comes out in people yeah yeah she's she's teamed up with a, an instructor one of my friends uh, Alex Garner and they really worked well together and there was one event where he basically said right you know we we land where we land kind of thing so trust me and just go full power and that was it she did it and yeah. you know wow. it was brilliant um, she did very well and it's just having that trust between instructor and and pupil yeah, I guess so. So you're, you're one of the instructors on the show. Yeah, so you? I'm paired up with um, Professor Green. So oh, throughout the whole series, you're yep. just with Professor Green? Yeah, all okay. series. And then you're on TV, of course. This isn't a behind-the-scenes thing, is yeah, it? Yeah, no, we're, we're on telly as well. So it's, it's kind of like Strictly Come Dancing in terms of they have their own sort of coach yeah. to coach them through it. Do you enjoy sort of being on TV or did you... It wasn't too, was it a new experience? too much of a biggie. I mean, I've done a few sort of TV things before. Um, and I had a, a documentary team sort of following me around for a couple of years. So I kind of got used to it a little bit from that. Um, yeah, okay. But well. maybe the, the first day you're always a bit like, you know, how am I going to come across and be very professional? And I saw one of the adverts and there was a couple of times where me and Stephen had a real big tantrum with each other. And this one was on a day where it was very muddy and cold and we were all tired and all grotty and we just, yeah. you know, wanted to go home. Yeah. And, and we were still film, filming at like 10 p.m. at night, but we were doing things that were absolutely sort of bonkers. Right. And it was very muddy, and we needed to basically. Stephen's not been driving that long. So he, this is Professor Green. This Stephen, is Professor Green. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And um, basically, he couldn't get to grips with the the clutch. It was it was a racing clutch that's in it. It was pretty much on or off, and so it was very easy to stall. Uh huh. And he kept stalling, and we both just got really frustrated with each other and ended up shouting at each other and really? swearing at each other. Really. And this is all on camera. And there's a little clip of me going, <laughs> shouting and waving my arms around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is going to be on telly, oh my goodness. But no, we got on really well, did Stephen and I, and it was um, it was great to see him progress as a driver, actually. Really, really nice, yeah. So what's what's next for you, Abby? Of course, you've got, you've got uh, a series of racing ahead of you, a big series of racing ahead of you. Is that the main focus right now? Um, yeah, it's this is kind of my debut year and in sort of a, a higher, well, it's the highest level of GT racing you can do in the UK. And arguably, I'd, I'd probably say the best GT4, GT3 grid in Europe as well. Really? Um, 
so I'm very lucky to be able to be in the, the position I'm in. I'm kind of in this weird, weird situation now where because we've had these hiccups at the start, I'm feeling really frustrated with it and I've got to use this frustration to really drive myself and, and not give up and, and really focus and knuckle yeah. down on getting the best out of the car and the best out of myself. Yeah. Um, you know, it might be that we have an issue or whatever this weekend, which if we do, it's going to be hard not to be frustrated and upset about it again. But I've got to use that. And, you know, at the end of the year, mid part to the end of the year, we might be very, very strong because I think the car has got the potential to win races, absolutely. But we just need to know its sweet spots and we mm -hmm. need to know the parts that maybe need a little bit of work doing to it as well. So that's what I'm going to focus on for this year. I've been involved in a few other TV productions and so on, so cool. I'd like to do that as well. And yeah. um, I recently did some TV work where we sort of travelled over to Venice, which was really, really cool. Really? I've never been to Venice That's before. not a very car-y city, I must say. No, it's not. It's not even remotely car-y. No, it takes a lot of driving to get there, though. Um, That's true, it does. So that was, that was very cool. And yeah, I'd like to travel some more and do bits and bobs like that but the number one for this year is it's the racing really as it is for most years we're really. <laughs> yeah. as it is for every for, aspect for of my life yeah. i think yeah if money wasn't an object and i could have whatever i wanted mm -hmm. i'd probably have a porsche 911 gt3 would you mm. how do you feel about very kind of firm sort of race setup cars on the road though and like roll cages and things like that and yeah i mean if it's if it's someone that they've, they've built a track day car and it's a road mm. car as well and it's a little baby then that's fair enough um yeah absolutely but if they've absolutely. put the roll cage in just to drive on the road in that's a little bit unnecessary um however they're going to be very safe when they eventually shunt <laughs> well <laughs> um, it's true it is but yeah but so super firm cars like you say you usually have this in eco mode you said yeah. i usually put things in comfort mode or you know, it's very occasionally that you, that you want to drive in sport mode on the road because actually you just want to kind of you know you're just going down a motorway it's aren't comfort, you and you yeah. just want to chill out. I mean my old Beamer was as I said it was an 06 plate and it was a, an M Sport and they're kind of renowned for being really really stiff and mm. that was stupidly stiff. And was it really? Feel every bump in the road any um, speed bump that you got up to I had to come to a stop and gradually <clears> crawl over it. I remember I had my friend overtake me coming out of a shopping centre because I was getting so slow over them and yeah that's one thing that this is so much better at is that you can put it in sport mode and you've got that you know mm. the, the stiffness and, and it's a little bit more racy um, but my old car was just too extreme even yeah. my mum was like oh happy girl goodness sake you're not on a race track and I'm like mum it's just I'm driving at 20 mile an hour it's just a car well that's the thing I, it, it gets so tiresome but you're quite into Porsches you like those mm, yeah yeah that is the the best sort of road car that I've driven on track. They are unreal. Mm. They're just like on rails. What a GT, a GT3 was this? Yeah, I've driven a GT2 um, RS. Sorry, yeah. that was just absolutely bonkers. And this guy that it was again on a track day at Silverstone, and he's kind of like you know a lovely piece of kit. It's like oh, you know it's just a cheap toy. I'm like, oh. really? <laughs> you think that's cheap? Yeah. That's the, what are they? 120 grand or? Yeah, more than that, I think. Or well, it'd be more now because they're so limited. Mm. Do you remember that? There was a Boxster, I think, that came out a few years ago. Mm. It's like a really, really stripped back one. Had had sort of a canvas roof on, mm. and it uh, didn't have door handles. Took the door handles off and replaced them with um, what do you call it? Bits of like, like cloth yeah. sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, same with that. That's to save weight as well. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like everything's things. everything's weight saving. I'm no aircon, of course. Well, of course. On some track days, or if the people are driving the cars, I'll have the aircon on because it's you know in summer. I'm sat in this car <laughs> yeah. all day. This guy jumps in and is like, "Oh, why have you got the aircon on? Turn it off. We're going to lose some power." I'm yeah. like, "This this is not going to make a difference no. to your driving at this moment in time." No. And Turn and it I, and right. I'd rather up. not be sweating yeah. right now. I'm doing quite. Uh, we'll start to do a bit of work with. Um, McLaren, the amount of, of sort of fine detail that goes into their, their mm. cars is absolutely bonkers. Really? What, um, their race cars? Their road cars. Their road so cars. The 570S. Mm. Um, tiny little details such as the, the weight saving. So you, basically, the four things made out of carbon fibre, and they introduced that from, I think, 93 into all their road cars. Yeah. And that's the standard that yeah. you get a carbon fibre tub. And yeah. it's just, just to, uh, to save weight, but also obviously it's much safer and it gives that standard stiff ride yes, on it. Yes, they're incredibly rigid, aren't they? Yeah, um, the doors as well, they've been inspired by the, the Claren P1 and also they've engineered it in a way that the airflow actually helps to, to cool the, the powertrain in it. Right, yeah. Um, which is just like, you, you look at it and you think, oh, it's just a door, but it's not, it's got an actual function it's to like it. It's like really, really well designed and mm. engineered, yeah. Have you been to their HQ? Not yet. I mean, I've, you must have seen pictures of yeah. it. Yeah. It's just insane. Mm. A lot of people describe it as being a bit like a Bond villain's lair mm. or something. It's all clinical and white, and they somehow build. They, they have a production line for the road cars. And look at that! Look at that! Abby just got I had to cut stop up. Myself from swearing then. <laughs> you did, I knew very that was well going to happen as well. You see what off. you've what you've got to do. Well, with, you could have had. Frustration yeah, is harness you, it. Remember if that. If they crashed into my weekend. car, I would have gone mental. <clears throat> And it would have been all on microphone for you. That <laughs> would have been great. <laughs> would have been I would have been very, very, very northern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would bet. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, McLaren HQ. Mm. Yeah, they've got a production line and, uh, you know, white tiled floor. They're not allowed to have tools on show. They're not allowed mm. to have oil on the floor. Well, it's kind of uh, like a showcase to what they're all about, you know. It's, it is. It's their ethos, I yeah. think, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And there's quite a few manufacturers that are like that. Um, I know BMW are, are very sort of clinical with things as well. Um, if you ever work for them, you're not allowed to have any sort of, if you've got tattoos, you're mm. really against having tattoos on show. And you know, if you have nail polish on, it's got to be you know, just right and it can't be chipped. And yeah. You've got to look in a certain way and it's very pristine, which yeah. I understand completely from working at, at like Palmersport because they just look at things that things you would never think about mm. but actually when you put the whole package together it makes such a difference have you done a palmer spot there before no i haven't no the, no is that bedford yeah bedford yeah it's very slick how it's put together really um, and that comes from jonathan palmer who mm. owns it he's a stickler for stuff like that well we're nearly back at your house now aren't mm. we thank you for taking me on a ride to silverstone with That's you all right it's been an absolute pleasure talking <laughs> to you and good luck at the weekend as well, and for the Thank rest of the you. season. Yeah, I'm not sure what the weather's going to do actually. I just thought it's quite nice today, so it's probably going to be horrendous on the weekend. Probably. Which is actually might work in our favour. I love driving in the wet. Do the, you? The most horrendous conditions. I absolutely love it because it comes down to driver talent rather than the, who's got the best setup on the car. It's where you can find the grip on the circuit and getting the most out of what's on offer from probably quite a slippy circuit, and it can be quite daunting for people that perhaps don't like driving in the wet. But I love it. But you, you get on okay with it? Yeah. Well, I hope it rains at Brands this weekend, okay. and I hope it doesn't rain at my house. <laughs> Thanks very much. There we go. That was Abby and her car and her racing gloves. I hope you enjoyed that. And if you want to find out how Abby's doing, how her season's going, you can follow her on Twitter at AbbeyEaton44. And Abby is spelt A-B-B-I-E. 
And that's it for this week. Don't forget to check me out on Twitter at motor underscore mouthing. Download, subscribe, all that stuff if you want. Thank you very much for listening and I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. See you then. Bye-bye. Thank you.